All right, at the conclusion of chapter 7 last week, uh, we're now at mid-tribulation. We had the, the mid-tribulation uh, saints go to heaven. A lot of things start taking place uh, at mid-tribulation. And we want to... Um, uh, it, this, the tribulation period is a seven-year period. Now, a uh, verse in Matthew that says... Oh, yeah, we'll dismiss the kids too. They're, they're not mad at me just walking out. We're, we're, we're dismissing them at this time. And uh, 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 Nick, would you help me out, Cody? Come here. Uh, all right. Get you guys to help me here for just a minute. Well, Cody, why don't you say something to everybody? Hi. I just want to embarrass you. Thank you. Uh, give her, I, I don't know. It might need a husband and wife to share or something like that. I don't know how many I've got. But these, uh, what they're passing out is what happens at mid-tribulation. Now, remember, it's a seven-year period. In Matthew, the Bible says, no man knows the day or the hour, neither the Son of Man, you know, when, when his appearing is. Now, that is a statement of the rapture, not of the end of times. Once the rapture takes place, remember, I'm teaching from the standpoint of a, of a pre-tribulation rapture that once the rapture takes place, you enter into the seven-year period. So everybody's going to know when the rapture takes place because you're either in heaven, you know you missed it, or you were an unbeliever and heard that all of a sudden a bunch of people are disappeared. Okay, from that point, and this is important in case you don't make it. I know everybody thinks they're going to make it, but the Bible's very clear that not everybody's going to make it. At that point, if you're still here, you can take a calculator and figure out when, the, when Armageddon's going to be. It is a fixed seven-year period. And at mid-tribulation, three and a half years, 11 things are going to start happening. So if you look at what's going on today and how fast, like all the oligarchs out there is trying to destroy your life and control it and make you do certain things, how fast this has taken place, uh, it's going to be an accelerated time, and with three and a half years, which is what we talked about, we had the, uh, the seals open, six of the seven seals. We're going to deal with the seventh one uh, first today. And then uh, we had the four horsemen and what they're doing taking place, and things are all setting up. But at mid-tribulation, the Antichrist breaks agreement with Israel. Now, if you went back to Daniel 9, we read this already because he makes a seven-year agreement with Israel. <clears throat> but at... <clears throat> but at mid-tribulation, he breaks that agreement. The tribulation saints, we read about that in Revelation 7 last week, both Jews and Gentiles are caught up and escape, escape the wrath of the Antichrist and also escape uh, mid-tribulation wrath of God, which really accelerates and happens in the second. We're going to see a lot of that tonight. Now, from a believer's standpoint, number one, you want to make the rapture. The, the price that you would have to pay to make the rapture is a price worth paying. Okay? Now, I, I talk about this rapture readiness a lot, and this is where I think people mess up. Now, it, it, let's say I'm wrong. I don't think I am, because i got a lot of scripture on it. But let's say I'm wrong, uh, and you listen to me. All it means is you're going to live a little bit more disciplined life with a little better pursuit of God. Yes. Let's say I'm right. You missed the rapture. I mean, I mean, you ought, you ought to figure out where you want to be. Now, if you miss the rapture, know this. 
In three and a half years, 1,256 days, there's going to be another rapture. Maybe you will have a big enough wake-up call that you'll get ready for that one. So who's going up in the rapture? Well, we got scriptures like Jesus was firstborn to many brethren, that he was our example to do that. Uh, we are to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Uh, what does that mean? I was asked that question today. I thought it was a really good question because it seems like a lot of people don't know that. You actually do what he says. This is where I say, I don't believe there will be one non-tither uh, in the rapture. Now, you can argue with me on that, and that's fine. You can have your position, but I don't know how God can call somebody a thief that doesn't tithe and think that they're rapture ready. I mean, make a biblical case. I'm willing to talk about it. I, I, I can't say for sure that they're not. I just can't see how a person would make the, the rapture and not tithe. I think church misser, missers. And, and now you say, well, Pastor, you're saying I have to go to church to make the rapture? No. I think that if you're rapture ready, you, you will want to find yourself yeah. in the house of God. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Uh, very few people live that life. Now, if Jesus was firstborn of many brethren, and as his custom was, he was in the house of God when it was open. How can we do it different think that we're ready? The sacrifice that was made to pay the price for us to be redeemed was such a great price. How can we even think that a shallow walk with God or a sloppy life with God, thinking that grace covers everything, how can we make it? He talks about we are bought with a price. Our life is not our own. He said, no flesh shall glory in his presence. But I talked about this on the Tuesday morning, but a lot of people's flesh is glorying. In other words, they're making the decisions of their life. Now, you, you can live your life however you want. I'm cool with that. Uh, I'm just telling you, if you miss it, just know, 1,256 days later, there's going to be another one. We read about it in Revelation chapter 7. There's going to be an upheaval of nature. Uh, and so we've already seen a little bit of that. We're going to see a lot more of that tonight. The Antichrist moves against Israel, and a remnant of Israel will be hidden away. Now, we're going to get to that. We won't get to that tonight, but we're going to get to that soon. The Antichrist destroys the religious system, uh, the world church, harlot. A lot of people say that this is the Catholic church because of the seven hills of Rome, uh, but I don't believe that. That doesn't really make sense when you lay things out. Uh, the Antichrist declares himself as God. Oh, let me also put in on the rapture. You miss, if you miss the mid-tribulation rapture, you're going all the way to the end. And you may die in the process because a lot of people are going to die. So just know if you, when the first one comes, if you're not right on the second one, uh, you, you're going to have to go. Now, the millennial reign of Christ, a thousand years after Armageddon, there's still people on earth, a lot less, but there's still people. So you may be one that, that goes all the way into the millennial reign of Christ, but a lot of people are going to die. And it's going to get very difficult. And you're going to have to deny the mark of the beast, which may cost you your life. Those were the, the, the uh, at least it includes the martyrs that were under the altar that we read about in chapter 6, I think it was. The Antichrist declares himself as God. False prophet destroys, uh, introduces idolatry. In the worship of the image, the false prophet introduces the mark of the beast and attempts to control commerce. Now, this comes in at the last half of the seven-year period. So a lot of people are talking about the mark of the beast. You see people on social media all the time talking about the mark of the beast and you know everything that's going on. There's a lot of things that are setting up right now that are 
what's it called when desensitizing? Mm. I think that's the word. Uh, that are desensitizing people of things that are happening. And, uh, and so that when they get to that point, they can, uh, they, they'll easily transition over. Uh, the two witnesses begin ministry. We'll see a, a portion of that possibly tonight. Uh, and I say, I'll explain the possibly when I get there. Uh, we'll see the angelic ministry begin. Now, that's an interesting thing. And uh, that will be in Revelations 14 when we get there. We won't do that tonight. And then the plagues begin, uh, controlled by the two witnesses. So all these things, when, when we get to the mid-tribulation, which we are in our study, but when we actually get there, a lot of things are going to be happening. And don't think, because you're seeing a lot of people giving up right now. Because of the pressures on them, of just the, the trying to keep life together, inflation, taxation, uh, disruption, getting things, and the, the fear of what's going to happen tomorrow. When it really starts hitting the fan, it's going to put a lot of pressure on people. And this is where I said that right now, well, really, I've been saying it for a few years and it should have started a few years ago. Kind of like the old saying, when's the best time to plant a tree? Well, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time is today. So if you didn't start fortifying yourself to be unmoved by things, uh, you better start fortifying yourself to be unmoved by things because it, 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 will, it will increasingly get harder and harder and harder. All right, so we are on, uh, um, we are on the chapter 8. So let's start off there. And uh, this is the seventh seal open. Remember, we read through... In chapter 6, the six of the seven seals being opened. Then we had ch chapter 7, which we dealt with last week. And now we have the seventh seal being opened. And when he had opened the seventh seal, the he is Jesus. Remember, he was the one found worthy to do that. There was silence in heaven about the space of a half hour. Now, there's a lot of people that speculate on this silence in heaven. And they'll say that God showed them or something like that or you know, um, God revealed to them. But really, there is no biblical reference of what that is. We don't know. Now, the one thing we do know is John, John was a real man that lived in a real time. You know, he was on the Isle of Patmos, caught up, he's before the throne, he saw all this stuff. And he's trying to explain things in his understanding and vocabulary. And uh, so he will say it was like a... So, so he's looking at something. He doesn't really know what to say it is. So he pulls from his knowledge. It's like this. That's the only thing. You know, th this is something I can comprehend. This is something I have words for. It's like that. Other times he says, it is a. And so now on this, he says here, it was about a space of a half hour. Okay, but, you know, when I think about this, John on the Isle of Patmos could time 30 minutes by whatever timepieces they had of the day. There is no time in heaven. So it's kind of a guesstimation. Based on what I sensed it was from the natural standpoint, it was about a half hour. So we don't even know if it really was like 23 minutes, 37 minutes, you know, 30 minutes exactly, because he says it was about... Uh, um, the space of a half hour, and there was silence in, air, in heaven. Now, we've been reading about all these things, the angels doing things in heaven, the people worshiping, and all of a sudden, shh, 
There's no noise. What are they doing? We don't know. People speculate, but it's only speculation. What's getting ready to happen is so glorious, it shuts them up. What's getting ready to happen is so bad, it shuts them up. Uh, he said, shut up. So they shut up. I mean, we, we don't know what it is, but we know all of a sudden silence happens for about the space of a half hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. So we've had the seven seals. We've had the four horsemen. Now we're going to go into the, um, the, the seven trumpets. And um, Okay, and so verse 3. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. So now you remember in chapter, I think it was chapter 6, yeah, chapter 6, we read about the prayers of the saints and we read about the martyrs that were under the altar. Now here we see that the altar is a golden uh, altar. Just kind of a point of interest. God likes gold. I like gold. If you want to get rid of your gold, you can give it to me. <laughs> and the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before, before God out of the angel's hands. Now, now try and wrap your, your, your brain around this for a minute, because if you just kind of pay attention to what's going on in heaven, I mean, obviously it's at a different realm than here on earth. So, and I made this statement when we read about the prayers of the saints, I think it was in chapter five, um, that God has your prayers. Yeah. A lot of times they'll say or think, I don't even know that my prayers even matter, man. It seems like my prayers are going no place. God's hearing our prayers. He's keeping our prayers. But now he puts incense with our prayers. Okay, the Bible doesn't say why. But it obviously means something. And, and so before the throne of God, he has a golden, another reference to gold, the golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense. You know, let me, let me, you know, gold is one of the most valuable things. It's not the most valuable metal that we have on earth, but it's like one of the, the top three most valuable metals, other metals. Sometimes other metals pop up in price higher than it. And, uh, the, the streets are paved with gold in heaven. We'll get that to that when we're down at the end. And, you know, if we just ask the average American, how much gold do you have? They'd probably say, well, I, I got some in my ring. I got some on my, this chain actually is, you know, 14 karat gold or something like that. But most people really have no gold. How, how come? Well, probably most would say it's too expensive or we don't understand the value of it. I watched a, you know, those little man on the street type things. Uh, a person uh, had a, a uh, $20 gold piece. Now a $20 gold piece is a um, um, currency. You can take it to a bank, and get $20 for it. Okay. You'd be foolish to do that because the gold is far more valuable than the, the $20 coin. And so there was a guy on the street and uh, he says, hey, he'd stop people and he says, hey, I got a $20 gold piece. He says, I, I walked, there's a, like a little liquor store or some convenience store or something across the street. He says, I went in there to get me some soda and, and a sandwich, but they won't take my $20 gold piece. Uh, I'll sell it to you for $10. And not one person took it, or at least not one person they showed in it. 
because they like, well, yeah, if I get that, nobody's going to take it either. But they didn't understand it was worth probably $1,000 at the time. And uh, you look at our lives and what God, how God deals with things, the value that God places on things, and we don't even have a mindset to try to get the same thing he has. Amen. You think maybe our, our thinking is too low yeah. on what God can do for us? Yeah. Okay, so, and, so he had a golden censer uh, before a golden altar. He has the prayers of the saints, and he, he was given much incense. And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. Okay, we're not told what that means. But obviously, the, the incense is important, but the prayers are important. But watch this. And the angel took the censer, filled it with fire of the altar, and cast it into the earth. And there were voices, thunderings, and lightnings, and an earthquake. How powerful is the prayers? How powerful is the incense? How powerful are these things? It's, it's, kind, of, uh, it's kind of interesting. And the seven angels, which had seven trumpets, prepared themselves to sound. So now that, that's part of the first or the seventh seal in all this that happened. You have the silence in heaven. Then you have this going on at the altar. Um, there, there's not much that we can find as to what is going on there. But what was going on in heaven. Now remember we're in the seven year uh, tribulation period. There's things going on in heaven. There's things going on in earth. This just transpired in heaven. And then something of this was thrown to the earth. What was the voices? And there were voices. Was it the voices of the prayers? Was it the, you know, the Bible doesn't tell us. But, but there's things happening at this time that the line between the natural and the spiritual are going to, to get closer together. And then there was voices, but there was also thunderings. Now, I, I doubt it would be like Visalia, California thundering. Have you ever been to like Tennessee or uh, Ohio, one of these places that when they get thunder, the whole house rocks? Uh, I would think that that would even be light compared to uh, what was in heaven. I remember we were in Kenya one time. I think we were in the city of Kakamega and a storm broke out and we had to go inside somebody's house, which w was not made like our houses. And uh, you wondered if the roof was going to stay up there. Um, and lightnings and an earthquake. And when this is happening, the seven angels, which were uh, identified up here in the, I think it's verse three, the seven angels prepared, uh, which had trumpets, prepared themselves to sound. So they get ready to blow the sound. And every trumpet that's blown is... Um, uh, does something, just like every seal that was open. So the first, the first trumpet, the first, trump, the first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth. Well, we know what hail is, right? Hey, y'all, like solid ice, and fire. 
Wouldn't the fire melt to hell? So somehow or another, this, this hail and fire coagulate together and is mingled with blood. And they were cast upon the earth, and a third part of the trees was burnt up, and all grass was burnt up. Now, let me just give a little uh, explanation of what we're getting ready to go through. Uh, we saw it with the, the four horsemen. The Antichrist is doing things in the earth. And the Antichrist, the false prophet, is the last satanic attempt. Uh, if you go back to Daniel's, remember the statue? Uh, and, uh, you know, there, part of it was iron, part of it was clay, part of it was, you know, all these things. And you go through and the, the beast system is described. Part of it was the Babylonian Empire, the Grecian Empire, uh, the Roman Empire, the, you know, and the other empires that tried to take over the earth. Um, this is Satan's last attempt on that beast system to try to overtake the earth. So you got things that the Antichrist is doing. Now, the Antichrist is limited in scope and in power. And uh, uh, so we're going to start reading some things like this. Let's go back to th this. Uh, and it says, uh, they were cast upon the earth, and a third part of the trees was burnt up. So now you can read the third part of the trees. Well, is it the third part of the trees in the, the geographic realm that the Antichrist has power over? Well, a lot of people say that, I don't believe it, that we will end up going into a one-world government. I don't believe it because that would give the Antichrist authority over the whole earth. And there's, there's no place where it says that he has authority over the whole earth. He's in the Mediterranean, uh, you know, eastern, Middle East uh, type area, probably cover maybe the north side, the northern, the Horn of Africa up there on the, the top of Africa, uh, you know, because it's just uh, geographically sent. But now we also have going on the wrath of God. Well, uh, I've heard a lot of people teach this, that the wrath of God is also limited to that, ge that limited geographic area where the beast is operating and has full control over. But God's angry with the whole earth. Yeah. I, I don't know how the United States of America can be immune from the wrath of God with the number of babies we've killed. <laughs> you know, with the perversion that goes on. So, here's David. I believe that, yeah, the, the Antichrist and the things that are said about him, they're going to be limited in scope. And, and there's some things that are going to happen with him, but then there's things that God's doing where he's angry with, with everybody, and it's going to be spread across the whole earth. And, and we'll hit some, some verses that I'll explain on how I get my, um, uh, my thoughts on that. Now, in... Um, Go to Revelations chapter 11. Hold your place here. There's another scope on this. Okay, on this, on this first trumpet. Fire. So two ways this could happen. The first angel said, and there followed hellfire mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth. That being, you know, done at the hand of the angels. Or the angel blew the trumpet, giving permission for it to happen. And here in uh, Revelations, what did I say, chapter 11? Yes. Yeah. Verse 3, uh, it says, I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days, 
clothed in sackcloth. Now, their, their ministry is for a very specific time frame, 1,256 days. It starts at the mid-tribulation, and it starts in Jerusalem. We read about the 144,000 that they're Jewish evangelists, basically. Uh, they, they've been sealed with the seal so that the things that are happening in the, uh, uh, in the earth during the second half does not touch them. Uh, jump down to uh, verse 6. It says, These have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of their prophecies, and have power over waters to turn them to blood, and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. So in going back to verse 7 in uh, Revelations chapter 8, like I said, it could be an angel does this, but it looks more like it's at the hands of the, the two witnesses. Uh, because they can do it as they will. And what it says that happens here is in line to the power that it was said that it was given to them. Now, did, was that confusing? Because I kind of tied three or four things together. Let me just kind of pause right there. Does it make sense where we're at? Okay. The second trumpet, verse 8, And a second angel sounded, and as it were, a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea. Now, we could say it was a great fire, but he says, it, as it was, it, it was like a, it was, it was as a great mountain was on fire, it was picked up and thrown into the sea. So, it looks like John is trying to describe something that he doesn't have words or knowledge of what it is. A lot of people have uh, assigned this to a meteorite, fell and hit the earth because they didn't have that knowledge of meteorites coming from, you know, back in the day that wasn't uh, learned about until more modern, um, you know, times or maybe the, uh, when that one guy was alive the, that studied all that kind of stuff out, I can't remember his name. Um, so he says it was, it was, it were as a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea and a third part of the sea became blood. Now again, we come back on the third part of the sea. Is, is it geographically like the Mediterranean with all bodies of water that link to it? Or is it the third uh, cast into the sea? All seas. Well, again, this is the wrath and the anger of God. I think it hits all seas you know, around the world, because there's not geographic locations that are immune from the anger of God. And a third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life, they died. And the third part of the ships were destroyed. So, so that's going to be a big, um, a big thing that goes on. Uh, how many fish are in the sea? And if one third of them die... Don't they typically float when they die? Wouldn't that be a lot of fish floating on the water? Over all the seas of the earth? And how many ships are out in the ocean? If you lost a third of them? That would be a major thing, wouldn't it? And the third trumpet sounded and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp. 
And it fell upon a third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of water. And the name of the star is called Wormwood. And the third part of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. So this has to be upon the, uh, where we get drinking water because people drank it. And um, a third, now there would still be fresh water because only a third part of the water. But a lot, if, if it's the drinking water, you've got 100% and you lose 33% of it, that's going to affect a lot of areas. Did I say you don't want to miss the rapture? Okay, just wanted to reiterate that. The fourth trumpet. And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten. Now, here's where I get where I believe the, you've got God's wrath happening and you've got activities of the Antichrist. Well, if a third part of the sun was smitten and a third part of the moon and a third part of the stars, so as the third part of them was darkened and the day shone not for a third part of it and the night likewise, that would affect the whole earth. So this is where I come differing. A lot of people say that it's only happening within the, the geographic location of where the Antichrist is operating. But this one doesn't seem like it differs from the other ones. And this is an element of God's wrath. And it would affect the whole earth, uh, how the sun shines, how the moon shines and everything else. And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven saying with a loud voice, Whoa! 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 Uh, to the inhabitants of the earth, by reason of other voices of the trumpet of the three angels, which are, not, which are yet to sound. Something's getting ready to happen here. That, I mean, these first three were pretty bad, weren't they? But then the, the third one, You've got the darkness covering the earth. And in the midst of that, in heaven, he says, through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, woe, 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 to the inhabitants of the earth. So all the people that are left, woe unto you. You're, you're not prepared for what's about to come. By reason of the other voices of the trumpets, meaning the, the next three, this is number four, there's seven, the next three, which have not yet sounded. And uh, so something big is about to happen. Did I mention that you don't want to miss the rapture? You don't want to miss the first one. You definitely don't want to miss the second one. How much population have we lost so far? We've got, what, roughly, um, are we get pushing 400 million people in the United States now? I remember a few years back, it was 365 million. What's one-third of that? Sergey, you're good at math. What's one-third of 365 million? <laughs> that was a cop-out. That's a lot of people, isn't it? Did you give me an answer, Angelica? Oh, I thought you did. Okay. You good at math? In your head? Okay. Chapter 9, the fifth angel sounded. Now, this is after the woes. I saw a star 
sounded, and I, and the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. And to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. Now, this appears to be Satan, uh, and maybe a reference back to when he fell from heaven. Now, when we get to it, this angel has a, a name. It's about Abaddon uh, in the Greek tongue and Apollyon, or Abaddon in Hebrew and, and Apollyon in Greek, which one means destroyer and the other one means something of the same name. And um, so it can't be, it doesn't appear to be an angel of God, um, but it fell from heaven. So in my mind, it's a reference back to you know, Jesus said, I saw him fall like a lightning that is in there. And he opened the bottomless pit and there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. I, I think this is interesting because God's anger is what man is doing. And all this, I'm going to save the earth. God just pollutes the whole, whole earth the whole system, in this one swoop. Your EV doesn't make any difference. I hope nobody drives an EV uh, in here. You're not doing anything to save the planet. A great furnace was opened, and uh, smoke came out, and it darkened, um, and the air was darkened. You're breathing this stuff in. Your little mask ain't going to help you either. And there came out of the smoke locust upon the earth. Now, John here is not fighting to get a word. The, I mean, locust has been with us. We got it all the way back in the Egypt time, Egyptian times, you know, with the ten plagues. And I mean, it's just been something here. And there's been, especially back in um, those areas of the world where he lives, there's been uh, a lot of uh, locust um, swarms that have like eaten crops and everything like that. So this is something he recognizes. Uh, a locust upon the earth and unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. So they're a locust. He understood that. He saw that. But they're, um, they have a bite to them or a sting to them. It's like a scorpion. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth. Now, remember, we had just read on, on one of the other ones that all the grass was, uh, verse 7, that all grass was burnt up. So maybe this is enough time where the grass started growing again. Neither any green thing. Now, locusts are, are known for eating plants and, and things like that, but they were commanded not to do that. Their assignment is to not go in and destroy crops like a normal locust would do. Neither any tree, but only those men, and that word is uh, the word for mankind, so it include women, only those which have not the seal of God in their forehead. So the 144,000 are going to be protecting this. I would assume th their converts would be also, would be immune from this locust. Now, this seems like it might be more geographic because this is right after, it appears right after the, uh, um, the mid-tribulation. And... Um, uh, the 144,000 is the ones that receive the seal in their head. And like I said, I would assume the converts that they have, it would also. 
Uh, look real quick, hold your place there, and look real quick at Zechariah chapter 8. Okay, Zechariah chapter 8. I've, I've referenced this uh, several times, but let's just go ahead and read it. Uh, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, verse 23. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, 8.23. In those days, referring to the days that we're talking about, it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold out of all languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew, saying, we will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. So from there, it appears that from the 144,000, for every Jewish convert they get, 10 Gentiles are going to, um, to grab hold of their words, and they are in all nations. But they start in Jerusalem. So if these are released at the beginning, it might be geographically around that Middle Eastern area um, on that. And he says, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. And to them it was given that they should not kill, but that they should be tormented five months. So these locusts have a very specific time frame of their assignment. It's for five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. So now if you're in a swarm of locusts that have a, a, an assignment uh, I heard Dr. Hilton Sutton talk about this. He was in Israel one time when there was a locust swarm. And, uh, you know, they're just a swarm. They're eating grass and, you know, eating all things. But he says on the tour bus, they'd open the door and you'd be walking out like this. They'd have to do this. And as you watched, it was crunch, 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 because there were so many of them. Well, if they were assigned to sting or bite, however they do it, sting like a, a, a scorpion, how many times do you think you might get stung a day? And this goes on for five months. Now watch what happens. Um, sorry, I can remember, verse 6. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it. And shall desire to die and death shall flee from them. So it appears we've got a space of five months where nobody will die. Now I don't think that's ever happened in the world before. So the people that say that the, the tribulation happened in 70 A.D., they got a problem because, you know, this, this part of it wasn't fulfilled. But when do people seek death? What do we call that? Well, that's, driven, that's driving it, but what do we, we call what they do that seek death? Suicide. So however they decide to, you know, they jump off a tall building, smack on the cement, but they don't die until the five months is over. They take a gun, shoot themselves, they don't die. Until the five months are over. All they do is add to their torment. Wow. Now, let's back up. Remember this was the woe, woe, woe. Mm -hmm. Did I mention you don't want to miss the rapture? <laughs> and the shapes of the locusts, now John starts describing the locusts and what they look like. Um, hang on a second, let me look at my notes here. Okay, and the shapes of the locusts were likened to horses prepared into battle, and on their heads were as it were crowns uh, like gold, and their faces were as faces of men. Now, notice how he keeps saying they were as, they were like. Mm -hmm. 
So, so the, this, this locus has an appearance of, like a lot of people will say that, well, this is military forces that are coming out and doing all this stuff, but John's very clear. These are locusts. And probably a different type of breed of them, or I don't know if they call them breeds for, you know, locusts, but uh, he's trying to describe how they look, and he's taking things that he knows and applying it to them. And they had hair as hair of a, a woman, and their teeth were as teeth of lions. They had breastplates as it were, breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was the sound of chariots of many horses running to batter. battle. Have you ever seen like on video or something, or have you ever been in something like this? When you have something like that, when they all start flying, they make a loud noise. And so um, they had tails like into scorpions, and there were stings in their tails. Okay, I should have remembered that from before. I kept saying bites. Uh, so it was a sting. It came out of their tail. And their power was to hurt men for five months. So again, we see the specified time, but there is no death found in those five months. And they had a king over them. Huh, isn't that interesting? Who was the king? Well, if we went back to the beginning, there was a, a star that fell from heaven that had the key to the bottomless pit. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. One woe is past, and behold, there comes two more thereafter. This was just one of the woes. Now, how big of an issue is your little thing that you don't want to give up for Jesus? Well, I just do me. That's your, that's your problem. He wants you to do him. Well, that doesn't feel like it. I can't do that. That makes me uncomfortable. I wouldn't be able to survive if I honored him with my, my, uh, my tithes and my offerings. Well, you know, I've got a life. I've got responsibilities. I can't, you know, I can't be at church every time there's church. I mean, I can catch it next time or catch it on live stream. See, how much can we glory in the presence of God when he says, no, man, no flesh shall glory in my presence and think that we're ready for this? I mean, it's a nice doctrine to say that because of the grace of God, I can live however I want to, but God's angry. So, well, God's love. Yeah, he is love, but he's ticked off. Because this is called the wrath of God, the anger of God. Well, can you prove if God really gets angry outside of this? Yeah, he destroyed the world in the flood because he was angry. And he almost killed all the Israelites except Moses interceded for them and stopped him. The sixth trumpet. And the sixth angel sounded... And I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had, a, which had the trumpet, watch this, loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. So there's been four angels that fell with Satan who have been bound all this time. Now, they're bound at the river Euphrates. So many people talk about because we have a Euphrates River right now. It runs through Iraq. And uh, uh, they say that's where they're bound. But they were bound at the time of Satan's fall, which was pre-flood. We don't know that that river is the same river Euphrates that was in the Garden of Eden talked about. Because everything was destroyed. So how did, how did it 
how did these things get their name? Well, the same, same way as like when the British came over to the United States and they said, we'll call this New York. There was York back in England, so they just called it the New York. It's what they knew. So they, they renamed something after something that they knew. So when Noah gets back and where he's at, does he know he didn't have GPS or an Apple phone? I mean, an Android would have done him real good, but, you know, uh, but he didn't have an Apple. Um, so when he landed, he doesn't know if he's in the same place as when he took off. And with water, you know, he, he could have got on the boat in Mississippi. I doubt it. But just to make a point, you know, they had the rivers there and they had everything called whatever it was called. You know, the towns and things like that. They were all destroyed. He went up for 40 days. He floated around. He didn't have an anchor, according to anything that we read. So he floated around and then he came back down and... You know, a God who wanted to hide the, the Garden of Eden and where it was at, don't you think he'd kind of like move him far away from it? I mean, so we don't know if, if this is talking about the river Euphrates we know of right now or the river Euphrates where it was uh, when, when um, uh, Satan fell. And he opened the, wait a minute, no, six sounded and a voice I heard him saying six angels, which is loose the four angels, which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. So for 13 months, one day and one hour, they have a very specific time frame. So if you know your Bible and you're still alive and here at this point, you're going to wish you listened to me and say you want to be in the rapture. Don't miss it. Uh, but you know they only have 13 months, one day, one hour to do what they're going to do. But they're going to kill a third part of human, humanity. Now, this is uh, going to, uh, you know, the, it's, it's part of the natural. So to say this is limited to the geographical location or not, I don't know. The number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000 thousand and I heard the number of them so now most people believe and have talked about this is probably China and possible other uh, Asian area uh, people because China's like they're the ones that has the numbers to hit that many people the uh, United States doesn't the European area is not going to do it because they're coming against the beast uh, you know and according to Daniel um, I think it's in chapter 11 it says that he's battling those from the north and from the south, and then all of a sudden he gets this coming, you know, from a different direction, which makes it sound like it's the, uh, from the east, is that comes in. And thus I saw the horses in the vision, and then that sat on them, having breastplates of fire and adjacent. Now, here's the thing that, that is interesting in a way a lot of people describe this, that this is going to be military armament. And if it's like, let's say, the Chinese army and maybe some of the, the former, like what they called the Orient uh, area that were coming with him. Uh, John knows what a horse looks like. And I kind of doubt they would be riding horses. So it's kind of interesting, but he starts describing things as, so let's just read it, having breastplates of fire and of Jaseth and brimstone, and the heads of the horses were as heads of lions. So now he's trying to describe what the head of the horse looks like. Now, if you think about the, in the time of John, the, the advanced military armament was like a horse and a chariot. 
I mean, that would be your most effective military armament, and that's what he would know. So he, he might be seeing it from that standpoint. This is military, so it's got to be a horse because that's the only thing you use for, uh, you know, they didn't have helicopters. They didn't have jet fighters. They didn't have, you know, tanks and things like that. And out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. So, you know, if you were John living back in this day and all of a sudden somebody came up in an Apache helicopter and started firing upon you, how would you describe it? if you have no concept of helicopters. Because out of its mouth, uh, fire, smoke, and brimstone. Like, that thing starts shooting, and uh, what's that other helicopter? You got the Apache, and you got the, what's that other wicked one? Yeah, the Black Hawk. I mean, those things are massive, and smoke comes out of them, fire comes out of them, armament comes out of them, things are blowing up. He's got references to fire and brimstone. By these... Three was the part, third part of the men killed by fire and by smoke and by brimstone, which issued out of their mouths. So it's kind of highly unlikely that brimstone is probably, you know, large caliber machine guns, uh, bombs, different things like that. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. A lot of the military armament that we have even today can shoot out the back end too. Uh, you know, flares and uh, bombs and, and different things like that. For their tails were likened to serpents and had heads, and with them they do hurt. Now, I don't know about the um, uh, modern planes, but I know like World War II planes, they had like a gunner in the tail. You know, he had like a head, he's sitting in a bubble, and he's shooting things and stuff like that. I'm sure they got things like that now. They don't. Um, they just have rearview mirrors and flares. Uh, <laughs> speed. There you go. Uh, and with them they do hurt. And the rest of the men, mankind, which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands. Now, I keep talking about the deception of the last days. Think about this. this we're on the second woe. The first woe was really, really bad. The second woe is really, really, really bad. A third of mankind is going to be killed. Or at least in the geographic area, maybe uh, or, you know, on the world. This one looks more like it's geographic. And they still will not repent. Now, I've used the phrase before, stuck on stupid. But, but this is like stuck on stupid on steroids. I am going to do it my way. I've got to take care of my business. I want. They repented not of the works of their hands and that they should not worship devils idols of gold and silver, or we could say money, brass and iron and stone, or you know, things of value and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. That's kind of a slap in people's faith, face. People worshiping things that can't even do anything. Oh, we see that in like Hinduism and other things that have their little icons and things that they worship, statues and beads and all these other things. As so, you know, man made it and we're going to worship it. And, you know, it's a it's a holy thing. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. Now, we're going to stop here at chapter 10. And remember, there was seven trumpets, and we just read the sixth. 
And the seventh trumpet doesn't come back in until after the, the two uh, witnesses are introduced and uh, in chapter 11. So next week we'll get into chapter 10. And uh, we're moving along fairly well, hitting at least a couple of chapters a night. And uh, any questions on this? Anything not, or anything confusing or spark any questions in your mind? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were raising your hand, Nick. Uh, anybody? I see no hands. Oh, okay. Is it turned on? Uh, what color is it? Green? Make sure green's on. Blue. Sorry. I just don't recall, because I'd read it before, but during the time of, and you may have even said it tonight and I missed it, <clears throat> when the rapture is taken, people are taken out, for the first three and a half years, is the mark of the beast released then or at the, after the three and a half years at the end? After the three and a half years. Okay. So they're pretty, if people's left, they're pretty safe there. No. As far as you, not. You, you've got the four horsemen, you've got the seven seals that you have to deal with. It will be harder than what it is on this side of the tree, because it is part of the tribulation. And things will escalate and be changing. And even like when the mark of the beast comes on, it's not just going to go from there's zero understanding of it to you have to take the mark. They're, they're going to be moving toward it. So there's going to be a lot of things going on. No, I knew it would be bad, but I was just specifically meaning about the mark of the beast. Oh, yeah, they're safe from that. And if you get if you if you miss the rapture and you're here, but you make the mid tribulation rapture, you're, you're going to still bypass the mark of the beast. Good question. Any others? Uh, Joyce over here. Okay. What do you think will happen with people who are just being saved at the point of the rapture? Uh, at you know at who the are first actually, rapture? Yeah, in day-to-day -day life who are just giving their hearts to Jesus. I think everything is about the heart of man. Okay. So let's say that a person gets born again, they give their life to God, and uh, the day before the rapture takes place, or three hours before the rapture takes place, where is their heart really in that? And, and I think there's a lot of things that go on in getting born again, because everybody has this philosophy that I get born again, everything's okay. And I don't believe that to be true. But there are people that get born again, that when they get born again, they say, I'm all in. I don't want this old life. I'm going to start going forward 100 miles an hour on this thing. I think they would make the rapture because their intention of their heart is I'm 100% in. Most people that get born again, they're not 100% in. They just want the benefits of, of, of being born again. They want to go to heaven and not go to hell. And just look at how many people get born again and they're not even in church the next time church is open. So I think that person wouldn't make it because their heart is is really they may have truly gotten born again and accepted jesus as lord they got problems they haven't worked it out yet but it's like kind of like well yeah we'll just kind of do this as we do it you know versus the person so i think everything comes back to the heart uh, in fact even uh, no it wasn't peter it must have been when i was watching uh uh stream of pastor when they received the offering no, I was watching Dr. Mize on a video that he has, and he was talking about the woman uh, that gave two mites. Uh, it was not about the money. It was about the heart. 
and, uh, and he was talking about that. Everything's about the heart. And this is what I think uh, people need to fix their heart. People get offended really easy. That's a heart issue. Um, people uh, have control issues. That's a heart issue. Uh, you, we can just go down, and God's looking at the heart. He says in Jeremiah uh, 17, somewhere around verse 9, he says, the heart is uh, desperately wicked. Who can know it? I search the heart. I pull the rein to see which way you go. All you have to do to see what's in your heart is look which way you go when something happens. That tells you what's in your heart, because that's how God knows what's in your heart. Yeah. Were you going to say something? Oh, I thought you grabbed a mic. Uh, anybody else? Correct. And we're going and it's our our dinner night, and uh, we're gonna do this. But he's gonna be talking about things on where we're at. It should make a lot more sense to those who have been following along on revelations and things that are coming, because we're leading up to all this. The 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 chess pieces are being put into place that all this can come together very quickly. And we're all concerned about our you know our four hundred one k our vacation plans our you know uh, if we can you know, get a new car or something like that. I tell you what, you better be getting your, yourself built solidly that you can stand. Not that you can't go on vacation or get a new car or something like that. It's just, you better be paying attention to where you're at and your ability to walk through this. All right, everybody stand? Nobody, uh, nobody else? All right. Well, they weren't invented at the time of John. I'm talking about now. They might oh. not be invented now, or they could be being invented and they're under wraps because if it's in China, they're yeah, very absolutely. secretive about things. And they're, they're constantly working on new armaments and, how, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and look how technology just increases so yeah, fast. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Things are lining up for all this, so everything's going to be in place. And, uh, and I come back to the chase of the heart. Um, like I've said, you know, just said and have said many times is you, you know, I remember one person was going on vacation one time. I just used vacation. And they told the pastor, I'm going to, we're going to be on vacation. Was, oh, okay. When you leave, we're going to leave about 10 o'clock Sunday morning. <laughs> that, that reveals something in a, in a heart. Why don't you come to church and leave afterwards? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm on vacation. There was a person that was on vacation, and because of uh, fires and stuff like that, they had to leave, and uh, uh, they came back, and they missed Wednesday night service because they were on vacation. They're sitting at their house because their vacation got canceled. See, these things reveal the chase of the heart. Nothing wrong with the vacation. I, I got my vacation plans figured out for this year. We're, when I'll be gone, I, it's all on the calendar. I know it is. There's nothing. But if something came up with God, I'd cancel that and do God. The chase of my heart is God. Everybody needs some R&R. &R. Uh, you know, I sold my truck. I'm still in the, I haven't decided yet. Believe in God to open up the door and get a new vehicle. I plan on getting another vehicle. Uh, but that's not the chase of my heart to get a vehicle. In fact, I was talking. We got Tammy's, uh, Tammy's car fixed. And I was talking to Steve. Most of you know him. He comes every once in a while. He's got all pro over there. Um, and uh, he was talking about this, this, uh, he showed me the fender of this Camaro that he did. Oh man, that thing was pretty. And uh, I mean, 
but he says out in the sun it was inside his shop he says out in the sun it looks totally different he says really cool and he says the paint on this thing cost seventy dollars a gallon and he says i uh, i've used nine uh oh seven hundred a gallon and he had used nine gallons so far uh and the layers i can't remember how many layers but he had several layers of acrylic several layers of paint uh you know everything to do this it's it's a um uh it's not a car you're going to drive it's a car you put on a trailer take someplace and let what do they call it like collector cars show cars show cars and to to finish this car is going to be somewhere between one and two hundred thousand dollars you know um that's what i'm talking about you know what are we chasing there's nothing wrong with having good things. God, in fact, I made the point earlier about the gold. We, we're living way below what God means, but it's the chase of the heart. Where is the chase of my heart? I think all things come down to that. And, uh, and then going back to Joyce's question, I think it, it's going to matter. Like on, you know, there, there will be people that are, that are born again just right before the rapture takes place. No man knows the day or the hour. You know, we're working to get people born again. And some people get born again that they want out of their life. You know, I'm done with this thing. Peter, his testimony. Basically, if you listen to all of his testimony, he was smart enough to realize this ain't working. Is is it accurate? He was, I want something new. I don't want to live in this anymore. I want out of it. So, So his heart was, that I'm looking and I want it, and as soon as I get it, I'm going to chase it. Well, a lot of people, they, man, they live in their, their poo-poo, like, <laughs> they just keep going back. It's warm. It's mine. I know it. It, it ain't working, but it's mine. It's warm. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. But God, give us eyes that we can see it. Help us to understand it. Help us to know, Lord Jesus. Lord, we've got to be rapture ready, God. This, this, this is not it. But God, if, if everybody was okay, what does any of this even matter? Lord, the things that you're talking about, the anger of God, the wrath of God, that is being poured out. Yeah, you're angry at those that that have rejected you and everything, but you've got to be angry at those that aren't listening to you also. Why would there even be another escape? Well, because you love us so much and you're trying to warn us and you're trying to give us ample opportunity and and times, but God, why won't we commit right now? Why, Why is the dollar bill so important to us? Why is our time so important to us that we are unwilling to serve you here Yet we think that we're going to be willing to serve you for eternity in heaven. God, open the eyes of our understanding. And Lord, let these things become real to us. Lord, they're disassociated with our life right now because they're not real. We don't see them. They're not happening. Sure, we got glimpses of darkness and it's getting worse. But the things that we've read tonight, Lord, they're beyond comprehension. But they're coming and there will be people living through them. God, let it get settled in our heart. We don't want to be one of those people. And whatever the price of change that needs to be paid, let us pay it, God, so that we can live in the redemption that you've given to us. In Jesus' name, amen.